Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Wednesday as we continue our best of the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK all this week as Steve enjoys a much and well deserved vacation for the rest of this week. Macatrillo here with you. Steve, as always, in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. So on this best of edition today, a little bit of a different approach. We're going to do an all-localized day. So coming up in just a couple of moments, we'll replay the interview Steve had with then formerly introduced head coach Micah Shrewsbury of the men's basketball program. Steve got one of the first opportunities to talk to the then new head coach of Penn State, so we'll replay that interview in just a couple of minutes. Then at 3.35, Little League President and CEO Steve Keener will replay that interview from when Little League had announced its plans for a condensed version of the Little League World Series this summer up in Williamsport and also in North Carolina for the Softball World Series. So that's at 3.35. Then at 4.06, we go back to Penn State with former Penn State tight end and now, of course, tight end for the Miami Dolphins, Mike Isicki, as he joined the Thon festivities earlier this year. So we'll replay that interview at 4.06. Then at 4.35, we'll replay our interview with Dave Cicchini of Bucknell Football. And that was the last interview Dave did with us during the course of the shortened season, but a successful season nonetheless, one of the more successful seasons the Bison football program has had recently in just Coach Cicchini's second season, reaching the Patriot League title game the first time the Patriot League ever did something like that because of the shortened season. Also was an Eddie Robinson Award finalist for FCS Coach of the Year, so we'll replay that interview at 4.35 today to close out the show. But first... We go to Penn State when Micah Shrewsbury was first named as the new coach of the Penn State men's basketball program. This was back in late March, and Steve got one of the first opportunities to talk to the then new Penn State men's basketball coach. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's it's been a great few days being here, and, and I couldn't wait to get here and you know, everything that I've heard has met and exceeded my expectations. Obviously, when you're in a position that you have been in, with the career you have been in, the opportunity is going to open to be a head coach. You have to make a decision as to what is the right fit for you. In the end, why was Penn State the right fit for Micah Shrewsbury to become the head basketball coach? You know, I, I think it starts from, you know, the top down. And, you know, having the chance to, to talk with Dr. Barron, um, having the chance to talk with Sandy, uh, Lynn, just everyone in the, in the athletic administration that I met with and talked with, you know, it, there was just a good feeling about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a people person and, 
this place is full of great people, and State College is full of great people, and that was really attractive to me. And But you can also do things here that, you know, be in a place that, that has great academics. Um, you can get a great education here, but they also strive for excellence in a lot of different areas and a lot of sports, and that's what I want this program to be. You know, I want a great student-athlete experience for our guys where you know, what they're doing and what they're learning off the court is matched by what they're doing on the court. And we want to compete, and we want to compete in the best league, and we want to be one of the last teams playing from this league. Obviously, along the way, coaches have to move. I mean, you were obviously at Butler, Purdue, the Celtics, back to Purdue which means Molly and the children have had to move, which means in the end they have to look around and say, yeah, we want to go to State College. What was the reaction like within the family when you had a chance to talk to Molly and your children about the opportunity to move here and do this job? Yeah, this was definitely a family decision. and you know, But they were really excited. They know that <clears throat> you know, they've been a big part of this in, in every move that we've made. You know, Molly's a, a rock star. Um, because she she does the heavy lifting during these times when you know I'm away and starting a new job, and she closes the chapter on the page, you know, the book before, and now she helps to move on. So the kids were they were pumped as can be, um, and you know it's a hard transition. My oldest my oldest son has moved you know a lot of places, and now he's in his high school years and halfway through his high school uh, career, you know, he's going to up and move to a new school, but he's excited. Uh, my other son is excited. My daughters, you know, are, are great and loving, and, you know, I'm so happy for them to, you know, come to a new campus to learn more, like be in this college environment, and that's a big part of us being so excited here. That there's so much to do here on this campus, um, but they're fired up, and if, if they weren't fired up, then that probably would be a negative for me. Uh, but they were fired up, and that makes this transition really easy. It's interesting that James Franklin and you both had the experience of working at the highest level. James was with an iconic franchise with the Green Bay Packers at one point in his career. You obviously were with an iconic franchise with the Boston Celtics in your career for several seasons. At some point, you have to make a decision as to, you know what, what am I? Am I a pro coach or a college coach? What is it about you that makes you gravitate toward the college game, even though you did have a great experience in the pro game? Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a unique feeling, and I get that question all the time. Uh, it, it really comes down to uh, I'm a relational guy. And, you know, here on on the college campus, you get a chance to – recruit a kid when he's 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, get to know he and his family, um, and now you get a chance to get the baton from that family and push him through his formative years of college and really send him off into the world and prepare him for that. But, you know, you get a kick out of those guys coming back, you know, those guys bringing their families back when they're older, you know, pointing out the things where they lived, where they used to eat, their favorite spots on campus, um, pointing out the things that they've done, you know, the, the banners that we hope to raise. Like, that's what 
I get a, a huge joy out of, and that's what I want to see, and that's what you get, you know, at the college level. Uh, but I also want my kids to grow up, you know, my, my boys got a chance to see guys at the highest level um, as basketball players. But being on the college campus, it allows them to see the highest level of educators, to see the highest level of scientists, you know, to see the highest level of theater and art, dance, whatever it may be. And I want them to have that whole experience um, besides just basketball, besides just athletics, and you get that here on, on a college campus. And that's really important to me, and it's really important to me in recruiting. Um, but I want to help you know, our guys experience that, but also give them my knowledge from the highest level of how to help them get there. Michael, along the way, anybody that's successful in a, in a business probably has a mentor or mentors that help them along the way. I could give you a list of three guys right away in my play-by-play career that are, 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 to this day I still draw upon as mentors. Brad Stevens and Matt Painter obviously are two guys that fall into place for you. What did you pick? You have to be Micah Shrewsbury in the end. But what did you pick up? along the way from Brad Stevens that you incorporate into what you do. What did you pick up from Matt Painter that you incorporate in how you go about your business? You know what? The the two of those guys are about as similar as it gets um, in personality style. Uh, but the, the major thing from those two is who they are as people. Um, and that's, you know, something that that I've always done in my life, but something I want to emulate from those two is is just how they treat people, how they go about their business every day, just striving to be the best that they can be, but also doing things the right way. And, you know, Brad showed me, um, you know, everything about how to really dig in and prepare for a season, how to prepare for an opponent. Um, He's the best that I've ever been around in knowing everything about what we're going to do, knowing everything about the upcoming game, the upcoming situations, reading things two or three plays at a time. Um, He prepares, and there's no stone unturned when he's preparing. And and those are things that I've picked up from him. You know, I I was fortunate to work with him for for 10 years, and, and I feel like, you know, by osmosis, you should be able to learn that much <laughs> from him. But, you know, Matt Painter is, is like, I, I owe a lot to Coach Painter. Um, you know, he, he brought me back to Purdue for, for two years, and he really kind of opened up the doors to the entire program and allowed me to see everything that he did, every decision that he would make, um, everything that went into running a successful program uh, in this conference and across the country. And the stability that he has, uh, the, the low ego that he has, you know, he, he opened the doors and, and showed me what to do. You know, he opened himself up and showed me the mistakes he made and talked about that. And, you know, he, he tells it all the time, you know, he, you don't have to go down the same path and make these same mistakes when somebody else has already made them. So being true to yourself, being true to your core and your gut, like those are huge things that I picked up from Coach Painter. 
following up on that, Micah, part of that low uh, ego is he handed you the clipboard okay, to draw offense as the offensive coordinator. So I'm going to do this in two parts here. You did a lot of defensive work for Brad with the Celtics, which meant you had to come up with defensive concepts against NBA offensive teams, which means you had to prepare for them. How much did that help you in coming up with offensive concepts on this level because you had to defend it on the next level? It it really helped a lot. Um, Just being able to watch for for six years, you know, in in Boston, you have a great feel for what your own team is doing. But then as you prepare more and more for other teams, you just get a chance to see what they do, what's successful. You know, there's 30 great coaches in the NBA. And I would just fill notebooks upon notebooks of things that I saw, things that I liked, things that I thought could work at the NBA level that could transition to the college level. And, you know, I I just filled up notebooks, all that I could of, of things that, um, you know, I, I thought would be a good fit. And now you move on and you get an opportunity to – put those into action. And like you said, Coach, Coach was the best. He, he allowed me to do a lot offensively, um, stay within, you know, I stayed within our system, but, you know, at timeouts or end of games, you know, trying to figure out how people would guard us, you know, what they did, what their weaknesses were, how to attack those, and really come up with, you know, a specific play or a game plan to, you know, help us be as effective as we could. And, Seeing everything, like it, it took a little bit of time. You know, I, I admit coming coming back to college was different, and I had to figure out, you know, small things offensively about about spacing, about cutting, about movement. And once you know, we kind of got that down. Once I got a chance to get a little more comfortable in it, then I think you know we really kind of tried to take off and um, had some success. So. You know, when you prepare, you know, nobody has a LeBron James. Nobody <laughs> nobody has a Steph Curry. Uh, but when you, you know, play against people like that and you prepare for them and you have to uh, figure it out, you know, you can try and tweak things um, and make it fit your team the best When you it comes can. to car and buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force guys you into a vehicle right you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merch family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicles worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's right or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We'll replay our interview with Steve Keener, the president and CEO of Little League Baseball. All on that coming up on the Steve Jones Show, Best of Edition, on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Back here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Macatrillo here with you. It is a best of edition all this week as Steve enjoys the week off. And today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Steve always in the Sunbury Motors Studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. This half hour, we'll replay our interview with Little League President and CEO Steve Keener, who joined us in April after Little League International had announced their plans for the World Series this year, for the Baseball World Series in Williamsport, and for the Softball World Series in North Carolina. Going to be 16 U.S. teams only, no international teams this year, and the families and those associated with the teams will be the only ones allowed to watch the game. So the general public still not being able to be in South Williamsport this year, but at least we'll have something to watch, at least on TV, as the Little League World Series does return in a limited capacity this year to South Williamsport. And Steve Keener joined Steve a couple months ago discussing those details. All right, with that we bring in, he made that announcement today. Steve Keener joins us, who's the CEO of Little League Baseball. Steve, welcome back, and it's always a pleasure. Great to hear from you. Hey, Steve. Well, uh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to join you. Okay, so you've made some decisions as to what to do. Uh, but I want to ask the governor today relaxing guidance on May 31st, and if 70% of the population is vaccinated, no masks in the state whenever that threshold is reached. Has that changed what you announced in any way yesterday? No, it hasn't. Uh, Steve, one of, the, one of the things that I think everyone needs to keep in mind when they're thinking about the Little League Baseball World Series is that our primary responsibility is to uh, be uh, as attentive and mindful of the health and welfare of the kids who are 12 years old and younger. And it's very unlikely that any of them will be vaccinated by the time we get to, uh, you know, the Little League World Series at Waynesport or even our regional tournaments at our various regional locations. So we're probably going to act out of an abundance of caution to 
you know, try to effectively operate uh, all of our tournament events at that 12 and under age group and do so with uh, limiting any as much exposure as possible for the, for the kids who are participating. That, that's really our goal to get through the end of August. All right, so now to do this, you want to make this a 16-team American tournament. So what will be the rules of, quote, engagement in terms of what coaches have to do, what you would like to see from players and also mm-hmm. parents? Yeah, we, we actually worked with a, 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 an organization out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, it's called the National Jewish Health. Uh, they uh, they have uh, put together a, a, essentially a, a business that has uh, pro- provided consulting services to help colleges and universities reopen, and along with uh, some youth-based uh, summer camp programs. We're probably more comparable to a summer camp program than we are a college or a university. Right. Uh, but what what we will do is the the, the plan that we have developed uh, will require a very comprehensive uh, testing protocol. Uh, which will require uh, the players to be tested 72 hours before they arrive at either our regional site or then again to the to the World Series site. Again, with negative test results, they'll be tested again when they get on site, and then they will be isolated or quarantined as a group uh, until we can get the results of those tests back. And once we have those, then they'll probably be a little more uh, a little more free to move around. And uh, and then they'll be tested on a regular cadence uh, throughout the uh, uh, the duration of the the tournament. That's that's the kids. The coaches uh, can do one of two things. If they have documentation to verify that they're fully vaccinated, then that's fine. That that's all they need to do. If they're not, then they will be subjected to the same testing protocols as the uh, as the players. Okay. Uh, what about now? Do the parents? of the players have to show anything to be there to watch no no we we thought that was probably something we could we'd have a hard time controlling verifying uh so that's why we're going to put a a limit and we don't know the the number yet but we will probably within the next few weeks i would assume we're going to put a limit on the number of uh uh, let's call it people associated with each team who will be permitted to attend uh Primarily, there'll be family members. Uh, we didn't think there was any way we could justify putting on this tournament without allowing families to be part of it. And so, you know, whatever that number will be, will be based on, you know, 13, 14 players on a team and a certain number of family members, and then probably some people, you know, that are from the communities where those teams come from that will be able to come in. And there'll be designated areas for them to sit. There'll be designated areas for them to enter the complex and the stadiums. And uh, so we'll try to keep them somewhat uh, grouped together away, but they'll actually be uh, isolated, uh, I say isolated, they will be removed from having any real uh, act, uh, uh, connection to the kids while they're on our, uh, while on our complex. And, you know, some people might think, well, that's a, you know, that's a little cruel for the parents not to be able to interact with their kids. We, we thought about that, and we actually engaged some mental health and emotional wellness experts to help us with that. And we're going to come up with a, a number of different ways through, as most people won't be surprised to hear, kind of the, the uh, virtual digital technology that will allow for uh, Zoom sessions with uh, teams and their parents on a pretty frequent basis during the event. Um, and uh, uh, the, But what we did also is we did a survey of a, a large number of, uh, of families in our Little League program on a very wide geographic range, 
and we presented them with what would be what would sound like a pretty confined, restricted uh, regional tournament or World Series site, meaning you know, you're going to be somewhat isolated, not allowed to go off the site, blah blah blah, all the, all those things. Would you still want your child to experience this? And it was interesting that about 85 to 87 percent of the people we interviewed said, "Look, these kids have been through so much that you know, as long as you're putting in." you know safety measures and protocols to try to keep them you know safe as, as much as you can we think you should go you should go forward with it there were a small number who said they they didn't think we should do it at all but in the in the vast minority so anyway that, sorry that's a long-winded answer to your question about <laughs> uh about whether people coming to see you know watch the events will have to be vaccinated or anything like that but that's that's where we are right now well, the grandfather's already been to a couple of T-ball games this year, and has already been to a couple of nine, ten-year-old <laughs> games this year. Uh, yeah. so I know, I obviously know families are there now. Yeah. Do these rules go into effect, Steve, um, when the tournament begins, or is each little league allowed to make its own rules? But then, no. At great, what stage do you? What rules? Yeah. What, at yeah. what stage do your rules go into effect, Williamsport or earlier? Early, our, the, the what I just outlined for you is the is a, the you know a portion of the framework for the for the mitigation plan. It goes into effect for any team that wins a state championship and advances gotcha. to one of our regional tournaments. Gotcha, like Bristol uh, or like Bristol or someplace like that. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And what yeah. we'll do, what we're preparing right now, is we are are providing all of our local community leagues with guidelines that pretty much say you can operate, you know, your district tournament, your section, your your state tournament. You have to do that under whatever your state's uh, public health officials are requiring of you. Some states are, you know, far more relaxed than others. But what, whatever the state's requirements are or what our, what our leagues must follow. But once they leave their state and participate in our regional tournaments, then they will all all of the mitigation uh, requirements that we're incorporating will have to be complied with to participate. And this is also goes for the softball tournament that eventually yes. goes to Greenville, North Carolina, correct? Absolutely. Just a, a parallel a parallel uh, plan as well. That's correct. Okay. Uh, the, the participation, I will say this, the kids, I mean, it's been fun watching them out there. They're having a great time with it. How refreshing is it when you've talked to little leagues, that they're just back at least doing something, even with the uh, restrictions is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. No, yeah, no, absolutely, no. It's uh, it's very refreshing. Um, we're we're, uh, we're we're charting charting some uh, some data uh, last year in 2020, when obviously things when the pandemic was at its height in in the spring and going in you know close to the summer months. Uh, we have about 5,700 affiliated programs in the United States. Uh, our best estimate, we don't have it right down to the last number, but our best estimate is at about uh, probably about 2,000, about 3,700 of those leagues did not operate last year. So we were this year, uh, we're already at about 96% of our leagues uh, that are in some form of activity. At this. Some haven't started playing yet. Uh, some are, are going to be playing very soon, but essentially 96% of the leagues that we that we had in 2019 are back up and running in, in some form uh, right now. The 11 and 12-year-olds are the reason that we all love this. 
uh, but the volunteers are part of the heartbeat that makes this work. And you'd be the first to praise every single volunteer that's ever come through the gate to help you work in the Little League World Series. So what will they Absolutely. have to do? What will they have to do to be a part of this to make it work on your end again as a volunteer? Whether I don't care whether you're a PA announcer or you're working at a concession stand. Yep. No. It, it, again, another good question. We're, we're actually working on uh, a number of uh, operational uh, plans right now uh, because with the fewer people being on site, those types of things, we're probably not going to need the full scale. Uh, operation that we would traditionally have in August. Um, you know, th- we're working right now with uh, our security operations on, you know, uh, getting in and out of the stadium, traffic control, parking, all the all the all those things that, as you know, from your many years with Penn State football, it's it's not just playing the game on the field, right? It's, it's everything yeah. else that goes with yeah. it. And and uh, so what what we are going to do is that any any volunteer who is is coming on site to work with us to, to even though they're volunteers and god bless them we need them uh any volunteer who will be coming on site here to work with us whether it's a public address announcer a scorekeeper an umpire working in the concession stands on the grounds crew whatever whatever it might be they will be required to to have a vaccination documentation to do that and and again if if they choose not to get vaccinated which is certainly their right and they have the right to then they just won't be able to volunteer this year for the for the world series and you know we'll have to reevaluate everything as we get closer to 2022 and see what the requirements are but for this year this year there will be a vaccination requirement for anyone as well as all of our employees uh so our employees and our staff uh, a requirement to be on site during during the tournaments will be to be fully vaccinated uh, ESPN has been a great television partner for you. I mean, not good. They've yes. been a great television partner for you. What's your communication with them been like throughout this process, and have they said to you what they want to do? Because Tim Kirchin told us that for Major League Baseball, they're aiming for early July to have people out on site again. What have they mm-hmm. told you? Yeah, uh, we haven't confirmed uh, a lot of the production plans yet for the for the summer because they've been kind of waiting to, you know, understand what we're going to do or what we can't do. Uh, but I, but they have shared with us that they they've learned an awful lot about you know doing remote broadcast when they were forced to do it, and that you know they obviously I think see a cost savings from that. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that that some part of the coverage of our event will be done perhaps with remote broadcast. Uh, but they haven't they haven't confirmed that yet. But I won't be surprised if that's uh, if that's a part of it. They uh, uh, they're very supportive of us. Uh, I had a call with them on uh, I guess Friday after our board of directors met to to finally approve or you know give final approval to the recommendations of our pandemic advisory commission. And uh, I called them to to share with them what we were going to be announcing on Monday, and they were they were very pleased. Uh, you know they they're very happy that uh, we're going to have a 16 team tournament with uh, uh, in this case all US teams they obviously would probably prefer to have uh, international teams here cuz i think that's what gives the elements or the the uh, gives the event a, a lot of its appeal and charm is the fact that you you know you've got kids from Japan and Korea and Canada and Latin America and Europe all you know playing with the kids from the US so uh, i i think a one year hiatus with 16 US teams is is fine, but I think they would probably prefer us to get back to the more traditional World Series uh, as soon as we can, which we hope is 2022. Finally, Steve, for you personally, what is the emotion of this? Is it 
happiness it's going to happen, joy it's going to happen, still a bit concerned or relief? Well, there, it, you know, Steve, in all honesty, it's, it, there's mixed emotions because, number one, very happy and very pleased for the kids who are at that sort of magical 12-year-old uh, season in Little League. I mean, anyone who's played Little League understands that that 12-year-old season is one that you remember the rest of your life. You know, you might make the all-star team. and Maybe the last year some kids play baseball or softball. So very happy that those kids are not going to have to have the, the, the tournament season taken away from them like the 12-year-olds did last year. So really, really happy for those kids that they'll at least be able to dream about ending their summer in Williamsport or Greenville, even though only a few of them will. But they'll, they'll be able to dream about it. They'll be able to aspire to it. Uh, but, but really disappointed that we, that we can't conduct the uh, teenage division uh, 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 levels of our baseball and softball program uh, through regionals and, and World Series. And the, the reason for that, uh, and we've had some people that are disappointed and angry with us about that decision, but the, the reason we can't do it is that we just think it would be really unfair of us to expect or to ask volunteer regional tournament regional tournament sites that are operated strictly by a handful of volunteer uh, people to try to incorporate the plan that we're going to have to incorporate at our Little League Baseball and Softball Regional and World Series events. It, it's just so complex and, and complicated that, that we just don't believe it would be even fair to ask them to do it. Uh, and uh, so we made the difficult decision to end those tournaments at the state level this year. And so that's where I say mixed feelings. Cause I'm really disappointed that those kids won't have another summer of right. regional World Series play, but hopefully we'll, we'll get them back on the field next year, too. Well, I'm thrilled for you that this is going to happen. I think it's great for the area it's going to happen. It shows another incredible step forward uh, that I think everybody appreciates very much. Steve, you and your board have done a great job so far of negotiating this, and it's greatly appreciated by everybody. Well, I thank you, Steve. We're, you know, we're, uh, we have uh, four months to get through, and I think we'll all breathe a little easier, you know, when we yep. get to the first of September. But, uh, I think we have a good plan. We've got a terrific staff, really competent people that are going to be handling this for us. So I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll, uh, we'll have a great summer and two, two great World Series events. Absolutely. Steve, thank you so much. As always, it's always a great pleasure to have you with us. Anytime, Steve. Best to you. Okay. And that is Steve Keener, president and CEO of the Little League International up from South Williamsport, as it's good to at least have a little bit of the Little League World Series back in our region coming up later this summer. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Four o'clock hour coming your way. Lots of good ones to get to. Mike Kosicki, we're going to replay that interview coming up, talking about this year's fun festivities at Penn State and more as we continue on the best of the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.